thank you so much. And I tell you what, I love, I love to sing. I love our music, and I love, uh, thank you, Tracy, for being such a faithful and skilled and blessed and blessing the piano. And Stephanie, I know I say it almost every Sunday, but I'm just amazed at the songs that she selects and how they are such a blessing to us. And uh, a couple of these that we sang today are new hymns. They're, they're, uh, you know, a lot of times we hear about new songs, new choruses, new praise and worship songs. But uh, Keith and Kristen Getty and uh, a few other people are trying to write hymns, new hymns that actually sound. In fact, I listen to some of them, like In Christ Alone, things like that. I think, wow, this must have been written back in the 1700s. And come to find out it was written... Uh, uh, 20 years ago, and uh, so I love, I love to, to sing the old hymns, and I like many of the new songs as well, so I'm not knocking those, I'm just saying I don't want us to ever reach a point where we lose sight of those things that have been a blessing to our great, great, great grandparents as well as to us today. The Bible says that uh, if anybody is uh, suffering, let him pray. And if anybody is joyful or being blessed, let him sing praises to God. Those are two things that have always characterized the Christian life, singing and prayer, singing and prayer. And so uh, it's that second one, prayer, that I want you to think about today. We're in Mark chapter 11, looking at verses 22 through 25. Jesus has just uh, pronounced a curse on a fruitless fig tree. And uh, as the disciples returned the next day, they found that tree dead, withered all the way to the roots. And Simon Peter said, wow, uh, how is this possible that that tree withered and died overnight? And then Jesus answered in verse 22 of Mark chapter 11. And Jesus answered them, have faith in God. Truly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. That's an amazing statement, isn't it? And then the next verse, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer... Believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also, who is in heaven, may forgive you of your trespasses. Now, that's a marvelous passage of Scripture, isn't it? And... Uh, this is repeated in several places in the other Gospels uh, where Jesus said something along this same line, that whatever you ask for, believing, believe that you receive it, you'll receive it. And uh, I've thought all this week about prayer. I've read and studied and, and prayed to uh, understand prayer because here's the situation, isn't it? There are some things that we pray for that don't come to pass. Isn't that true? I'm not trying to be a downer here. I'm just trying to be honest. 
There are times, I mean, even with our, our great-grandbaby being born yesterday, when uh, Brianna was in such intense labor and was suffering so, we prayed, we gathered together as a family, and my wife and I gathered together, and, and we prayed, and I prayed specifically that she would be able to have that baby at home as she had planned, and that it would be a, a healthy birth, and, and it was a healthy birth, but she ended up having to go to the hospital and uh, a lot of, uh, a lot more difficulty. And so the prayer that I prayed did not happen as I prayed it. Now, I could say, well, but God did answer the prayer, and I did say that, and I do say that, and I, I mean that, that we, she did have the baby, and the baby was healthy, and she was healthy, and, uh, and everything. But it's a, it's a little bit of a problem to some people. How many of you have prayed very specifically for something, and it happened exactly as you prayed for it to happen? Let me see your hands. All right. Okay. Well, that's uh, most of you. Now, others of you are trying to remember. You're thinking, how many of you have prayed very, very specifically for something, and you really believed in your heart that it was going to happen, and it did not happen as you prayed for? Let me see your hands. All right. Well, so that's a little bit confusing, isn't it? So what in the world is this? What, what does the Bible tell us about prayer? Let me say, first of all, and I have uh, 13 things today, but each one of them is going to be short. Number one, God intends for us to pray. God tells us to pray. There are so many passages. Jesus said uh, to this end, uh, Jesus taught them a parable that men ought always to pray and not to faint. And uh, what are some other verses you can think of where God tells us to pray? Just tell me some. You just pop right off. Do what? Pray without ceasing. The Apostle Paul said, pray without ceasing. What's another one? Uh, Jeremiah in the Old Testament said, call unto me and I will answer thee, says the Lord. Uh, uh, the one there in James, uh, if any of you are suffering, let him pray. And uh, do what? Oh, 2 Chronicles 7.14, yes, if, I, if my people who are called my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, all right? There's just so many, many, many verses in the Gospels and in the book of Acts that as soon as the church was born, the Bible says the first thing they did, they got together to pray, and they prayed, and then when they got arrested, and were being persecuted, the, the Bible says, and much prayer was being made in that place. And God allowed them to be released. And when they came back together, the Bible says that they prayed. And they didn't pray for an end to persecution. They prayed and said, Sovereign Lord, let us speak with boldness the truth in Jesus. And so, uh, what do we say about prayer? Well, the first thing is that God wants us to pray. It is the greatest privilege of a Christian to pray. Did you know, can you imagine to be able to come into the presence, into the very throne room of the God who created the whole world, 
and to come right before him with confidence and make our petitions and give our praise to him. What a privilege. What a privilege. And, uh, and, and, and it's the greatest power. The greatest power that the Christian has is the power of prayer. One of my favorite books by E.M. Bounds is called The Power of Prayer. And to be able to pray and see God move. The Bible tells us that Elijah was a man just like us, had passions just like us, but he prayed and God shut up the heavens and it didn't rain for three years. And then he prayed again and God sent the rain. That's amazing that prayer has such power that God can work through prayer to even control nature. God is, I mean, prayer is our greatest power. It's our greatest privilege, our greatest power, but probably also our greatest failure. A survey was taken of about uh, 10,000 pastors, and one of the questions was, what is the one thing in your ministry where you feel like you are the weakest? And none of them said preaching, although that might have been true. Uh, None of them said fundraising. None of them said even, none of them said witnessing, or some of them said that, but... But the vast majority said it was in the area of prayer. That they did not pray as they knew they should. And uh, a survey was taken of a large group of Christians. Asked how much would you say you pray every day? How many minutes a day do you spend in concentrated, focused prayer and it was amazingly low amazingly low i'll just ask you you don't have to answer me out loud but how much do you pray now and i'm not talking about just those uh i I do i pray a lot especially when i'm driving in dallas traffic i'm praying a, a lot you know and uh if i'm riding with one of my grandchildren i pray even more but uh but, but we all pray, we all pray just kind of, uh, what would you call, uh, uh, sporadic prayers or uh, what? What? Yeah, just, just, uh, just as it, it's happening. But as far as specific, intense, designated prayer time where you pray, Fervently, the Bible says the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. But how much do we pray? How much do we pray? Now, I've had to try to answer that question this week and not enough. I don't pray enough. I don't pray as much as I, I want to. And hopefully this message and my preparation for it is going to motivate me to pray even more. So... So prayer is our greatest privilege, our greatest power, and maybe our greatest weakness or greatest failure. What is prayer? Prayer is not merely asking for things 
and getting them. Prayer is fellowship, communion, conversation, closeness with God. It is an intimacy with our Creator. Prayer is a communion, a communion with God in which we draw close to Him for the purpose This is very important. For the purpose of knowing his heart and his mind and his will. And it takes time. We have to spend time with him. And we enter his courts with praise and with thanksgiving and with affection. Loving the Lord. We don't. Go to him like you would go to Santa Claus at the mall. With our list, this is what I want. No, we go to him like you would to a dear, beloved father. And you get to know him. And you are asking him, what do you want? What do you want? Jesus prayed. He was a man marked by prayer. So much so that his disciples came to him and they didn't say, Jesus, teach us to preach like you do. But they said, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. And Jesus said, when you pray... Pray this way. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You understand? Prayer begins and focuses on, God, I want to know your will. I want your will to be done in my situation on earth as it is in heaven. But we cannot know his will apart from knowing him. We have to spend time with him. And time of worshiping him, praising him, honoring him, glorifying him, lifting him up and drawing near to his heart and saying, God, I want to know your will. And when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he said, approach him as a father, first of all. Not just as a king. He is a king. He has the power of a king, but oh, he has the heart of a father. Oh, isn't it good to know that when I come to God in prayer, I'm coming to one who calls me his son, not just his subject. He is my sovereign, but he is my father. And then he said, hallowed be your name. Holy, separate, lifted up, exalted is your name. And then your will. Your will be done. And then praying for daily bread and for forgiveness 
and for protection and all of it for his glory. For, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. So that's the way prayer is intended to work. It's intended to, to hallow the name of God, lift him up, exalt him, and then to pray to know his will, to know his will. And so there are some principles of prayer in the Bible. One, it requires faith. This passage said, if you pray in faith, it said, have faith in God. That's the very beginning of this, have faith in God. By the way, it doesn't say have faith in faith. It says have faith in God. We trust him to work for his glory in our behalf. And that's the way prayers, it, it, it requires faith. James chapter 1, verses 6 through 8 said, If we ask and believe that we will receive what we ask. But he said, if, if a man doubts, don't let him think he'll receive anything. So we're to pray in faith. Let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. And the next verse there, verse 7, says, For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord if he is praying in doubt. For he is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Here's a good little poem that Dr. Adrian Rogers taught me. Pray and believe and you'll receive. Pray and doubt do without. <laughs> and as there's some truth to that. So if we pray, we must pray in faith. Have faith in God. God, I'm trusting you. I'm trusting you. However, that's not the only principle of prayer. It is to be in the name of Jesus. John chapter 14, verses 13 and 14. John 14, 13 and 14 says, we'll see it on the screen. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Now, this does not mean tacking on in Jesus' name at the end of the prayer. To pray and ask anything in Jesus' name means to pray it for His glory, in His authority, and for His approval. We pray it in Jesus' name. This is, I'm praying for His name to be honored, glorified, and for him to be honored and glorified. Again, John chapter 16, verses 23 through 26. This is just a couple of chapters later. says basically the same thing. John 16, verses 23 through 26. In that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name... He will give to you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. 
I have said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day, you will ask in my name, and I will not say to you, and I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf. So again, ask in my name. But that's not the only qualification. There's one in uh, John 15, verse 7. This one's very, very important. It says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, then ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. That's a great promise, isn't it? But what he's saying is that there's an if and a then. If you abide in me, that is, if you are in communion with me and my words abide in you, then I know the will of the Father. I know the heart of the Father and I know the mind of the Father and then I can ask whatever I will and it will be done. But also there's another one besides just asking in Jesus' name and asking in faith and, and abiding. John chapter 15 verse 16 says that you did not choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. So the idea of fruit bearing and abiding is all part of this as well and then the last one that I would say well the next the last one is that it has to be according to his will first John chapter 5 verse 14 first John chapter 5 verse 14 says and this is the confidence that we have toward him that if we ask anything according to his will he hears us. And the next verse goes on to say, And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. Isn't that amazing? So it has to be in faith, has to be in Jesus' name. We have to be abiding in him and his word abiding in us. We have to be bearing fruit, and we have to pray according to his will. And then there's one negative, James chapter 4, verse 3. He's just told us to pray for whatever we need, but James chapter 4, verse 3, he says, You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. In other words, if I'm praying for something selfishly, for my own passions, he says, don't, don't think that you'll receive that because our prayers are to be for his glory, hallowed be his name, it's to be in the authority for the approval and the glory of Jesus, and it is to be according to his will, not for selfish purposes. And then the last uh, thing, this is number 12, by the way. I said there were 13, so I'm almost through. Number 12 is that we have to pray for giving. 
And this passage that we looked at in Mark chapter 11, he says there in verse 25, whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also who is in heaven may forgive you of your trespasses. So if I, if I have bitterness towards somebody, and I come to pray, the very first thing God wants to see is that I'm willing to release and forgive those that have offended me. And he said, if you don't forgive, then don't think you're going to get anything. We're told in one passage over in the Old Testament that if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord won't hear me. That is, if I... If I have a pet sin that I love, and I that word regard there is the word that means to make a pet of, to 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 treasure it like you would a little puppy. See these kids carrying a little puppy, and they just love that little puppy, and it's their pet. And the psalmist is saying, if if you've got some sin in your life, and you're petting that sin, and you're loving that sin, then uh, I don't think I'm going to hear you. Don't think I'm going to listen to you, okay? So, so what do we, what do you say about all this? See, I had one other, that prayer is the means by which God accomplishes his eternal purpose and will. Listen, God has an eternal purpose. In uh, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 11 it talks about God's eternal purpose. We don't fully know all of it, probably. But God has an eternal purpose that he is bringing everything to fulfillment that will bring massive glory to him and ultimate blessing and good to those that belong to him. That's God's eternal purpose. And that's why he can say in Romans eight twenty eight. For we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. You see, God has a purpose bigger than than our purpose. That's the reason sometimes when I pray for something, I'm not sure I'm praying for what God wants. I'm praying for what I want. As Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he said, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. I, I don't really want in my humanity to go through the shame and the pain and the suffering of the cross. If there's any other way, then let this cup pass from me. That's Jesus praying. Nevertheless, he said, not not my will, but as you will. Not, Not what I want in my humanity, but what you want in your eternal purpose and plan. Now, 
had a man tell me one time, said, you Baptist, he was charismatic, but he said, you Baptist, he said, you, you always leave you a back door. You pray for something, and then you say, if it's your will. And then if it doesn't happen, you say, well, it wasn't God's will. He said, that's cheating. He said, that's cheating. He said, what you have to do is you pray, and then you expect God to do it. Well, the only problem is I ask him, well, so, so everything you pray for happens. And then he got a little red-faced and said, well, no. I said, well, why not? Why does it not happen? He said, well, I, I guess it's because I don't have enough faith. I said, but is it possible that it just might not be God's will? Yeah. Yeah. So, so we are to bring our prayers. We are to pray. We're to pray fervently. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. But listen, this is my closing statement. True prayer begins in the heart of God. Listen, true prayer begins in heaven. And then it moves from heaven through the word of God and by the Holy Spirit of God into the believer's heart. Okay? And then the believer prays it back to heaven in the authority of Jesus and in the power of the cross. And that closes the circuit. It starts in heaven with the will of God. And as I draw near and get to know the heart, mind, will of my Heavenly Father, the Spirit of God is able to implant in my heart what is God's will. Listen, it is very easy for me to pray my will and believe that God has to do it because I base it on verses in the Bible and I say, but you said whatever I ask for. No. Whatever I ask for in His name, according to His will, in genuine, true, believing faith, according to what He purposes, then He answers that. Here's what I believe. I believe that when I know the Father heart of God, when I draw so near to Him in communion that His will becomes my will and His desire becomes my desire. I'm delighting myself in Him and He puts His desires in my heart. And then when I know his will and I pray according to his will in the authority of Jesus, in the power of the cross, that is done on earth as it is in heaven. And I'll have to say there are times I don't know his will. That's not his fault. That's my fault. It's because I've not gotten alone with him, close enough to him, in communion enough with him, 
that I can say, Father, I know your will. In the early church, James and Peter were arrested. The brother of John, James and Peter were arrested. And the church prayed. And the Bible says, and Herod killed James with a sword. The church prayed for James, but Herod killed James with a sword. And he was going to kill Peter, but he said, no, I'm going to wait till the next day to kill Peter. And that night, the church prayed for Peter. And the Bible says the Lord sent an angel and opened the prison door and brought Peter out and he saved him. What do you do with that? Did God love Peter more than he loved James? I don't think so. I think God loved James just as much as he loved Peter. But it was the Father's will for James to die and come and be with him. It was God's will for Peter to live another 30 years before he would die for the glory of Jesus. And when I pray, my chief purpose in prayer is not to get what I want, but it is to understand what God wants. It is to draw so close to him in love and affection and praise and worship that I can say, I know the Father's will because I know the Father. I know how to pray. And the Bible says sometimes we don't know how to pray like we ought to pray. And the Spirit of God has to make intercession for us. And there have been lots of times when I've tried to pray for something, I say, Lord, I I don't know how to pray. Oh, Spirit of God, pray through me because the Spirit always knows the heart and mind and will of the Father. But when I'm praying, my first thought is to get in communion with the Father so that I can know His heart and mind and will and then pray. And when I pray according to His will, in His name, in faith, Forgiving, I believe that every prayer that is prayed that way gets an answer of yes. Now, I know we say, well, God answers every prayer, some no and some yes. But believing prayer, understanding prayer, true prayer is always prayed according to the will of God. And God answers those prayers so that he can say whatever you ask according to my will I will do well here's what I'd like for us to do to close our service I'd like for us to pray if there are needs in your life you know Jesus said if you say to this mountain be moved obviously he wasn't talking about a physical mountain there this was a, a rabbinic phrase it was very very popular in that day and mountain movers 
were people who could remove problems. They could, they could deal with fear. Sometimes people have a mountain of fear in their heart. Sometimes have, people have a, a mountain of anger in their heart. Sometimes people have a mountain of doubt in their heart. And Jesus said, you speak to those mountains in faith, and God can cast them into the sea. And I believe that. He's done that for me many times. And so I'd like for us to just spend the next few minutes in prayer. And uh, how many of you have a specific need in your life right now? Something you say, I really, really want to see God move in this particular way in my life. How many of you have a specific need? All right. Yeah, many, many of us. Okay. And I would hold both my hands up for that. So uh, let's just take the next few minutes and pray, and then we'll sing an invitation hymn. Like so many of the great teachings about our glorious God, prayer has an element of mystery to it. I know that there are times that I've prayed for things that you immediately answered, and uh, you met in a miraculous, marvelous, wonderful, unexplainable way, the needs that I had. And there are other times that I've prayed for things that I really wanted, and it was not your purpose, not your will, not your design, not according to your eternal purpose. And what I'm asking today for my own life that you will help me to be so close to you that I will know your heart so well and know your mind and know your will so well that when I pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, I'll know how to pray that will. And I pray for each one of us here today, Father, that we might be able to grow in prayer to grow in the area, the discipline, the practice of prayer. Increase our faith as we get to know you better. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We invite you to like us on Facebook or visit our website, www.bearcreekbaptist.org. If you're not a member of another church, we would like to invite you to join us in person and get to know us and let us get to know you. Have a great week and may the Lord richly bless you.